chapter 10. Judges chapter 10. Again, to the family of those moms and dads and babies, thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. It's an honor to have you here. And as we appreciate very much you being a part of all that. And uh, sorry that I, I can't or just I don't know everyone's name, I'm trying to get to know names. And uh, you certainly all deserve to be mentioned. Um, but even if your name's not mentioned as a family of these families, we're thankful for you very much. And so... We appreciate you. We're working through the book of Judges. This is what we do Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. You say, well, what is church like at West Valley? Well, it's a lot of this. We praise him, we listen to him, and then we try to love each other and get along with one another. And I, I, look, you ought to think about the song. You know, we were singing, I think it's the second verse we just sang, um, Neighbors Are Kind, I Love Them Everyone. I'm like, that's not true. <laughs> We, we, he needs to stop singing songs that are not true. <laughs> and yet we're supposed to love one another, aren't we? So maybe you can take that and say that needs to be the challenge. Even when they're not kind. Even when they're not kind in this room. Hallelujah. All right, Judges uh, chapter 10. And so the, the nation of Israel has had two leaders about 40, 45 years um, excuse me, 55 years in total, and they've, um, no, I was right the first time, 45 years, however many years, they, they have had the blessing of God and prosperity because they followed him. But in verse number six, we see the repetition of this cycle. This series is called Cycles of Judgment. And in verse six, and the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam and Ashtaroth, and the gods of Syria, and the gods of Zidon, and the gods of Moab, and the gods of the children of Ammon, and the gods of the Philistines, and forsook the Lord and served not him. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines, and into the hands of the children of Ammon. And that year they vexed and oppressed the children of Israel, and then it goes on 18 years all the children of Israel that were on the other side, Jordan, in the land of the Amorites, Amorites, which is in Gilead. Moreover, the children of Ammon passed over Jordan to fight also against Judah and against Benjamin and against the house of Ephraim, so that Israel was sore distressed. We'll leave off reading there. We'll pick up um, in coming messages, the Lord willing. I'll reference what comes next in a little bit. But the title is this, Don't Let Them In. Don't Let Them In. And you'll understand more of what we're talking about as we get into it with God's help. You may be seated, though. Thanks so much for standing. Ladies, I've already forgotten the title. What's it called? Here With Us. Great song about Jesus coming to be with us. So let's enjoy this ladies group as they sing. Still a mystery to me. 
That was great. Sure am thankful that he did come to be with us and he is with us. I, I love any, any song, any narrative that references how Jesus took on the frailty of human flesh. And I was just thinking about these babies up here. Jesus was that size at one point, and yet he never ceased to be God. And what a blessing. And so the ladies get a, did a great job singing. Mina did a great job playing for that. That was wonderful. Good job, ma'am. It's fantastic. And uh, I, think you did, I think you did stellar. It was wonderful. And I was trying to see who was over there, and then I saw the boots, and I'm like, that's Mina, praise the Lord. <laughs> and look, a lady can rock an instrument in boots. Hallelujah. It's, it's allowed. It's good. Okay, whatever. I'm just trying to have a good time. But 
kid, you did a good job, and I'm thankful for it. Ladies, all of y'all did a great job, and that was very, very good truth. In the, in the Trojan Wars between Greek and the city of Troy, according to the accounts that have been written about it, the Greeks laid siege for a long time, trying to get access inside the city, but were unable to. And people argue about whether or not this happened or not, uh, but there is speculation that it did, that eventually the way that the Greeks penetrated those walls was by building this enormous, what is, was later referred to as a Trojan horse. And it was supposed to just be a, 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 an enormous structure that was empty inside and elite Grecian soldiers filled the inside of it. And then the rest of the army sailed away, but then under the cover of darkness they returned and the city of Troy in their vanity chose to bring that horse in as some kind of trophy or sign that they had defeated the army of the Grecians. And yet when they brought that, that, that Trojan horse in and began to celebrate, according to what was written, eventually those elite soldiers came out and they laid waste to the city, opened the gates, and the army came in and completely uh, won the battle. And, and the, point, the point of it is this. Whether or not all of that is exactly how it happened, it's what's been recorded and written and dramatized. The point is this. You control what you bring in. But after that, you don't have control anymore. You control what you allow into your life. But you don't control what it does to your life. You have control over whether or not you'll look at images late at night when your spouse is in bed or your parents think you're asleep. But you don't have control over the havoc that that will cause in your life down the road. You have control over whether or not you decide to take up a drink or try a substance, whether or not you choose to have a relationship or not. What you don't control whether or not you have the right attitude of forgiveness or you hold on to resentment, what you don't control is what that will do to you down the road. This is just absolutely mind-boggling that after several decades of blessing and prosperity from the Lord, the nation of Israel has had enough, enough of defeating the enemies, enough of having peace, enough of enjoying the goodness and blessing of God. When you look at their cycle in the book of Judges, they just, they just get bored with having the goodness of God in their life. It's like, man, it feels like we just want to try something else. And so they forsake God and they turn to the gods of the nations that were around them. One author says this, that they commit what he referred to as sevenfold idolatry because it references two gods by name and then it references the gods of five other nations. In verse number six, you see the god of Balaam, the god of Ashtaroth, the gods of Syria, of Zidon, of Moab, of Amnon, and of the Philistines. Now, here's what we know about a couple of them. Balaam had to do with wealth. When you track how they worshiped him, and what the point was, they, they were hoping that he would enrich their crops and that he would bless them with abundance. And so the goal was that, man, we're going to serve this idol that's made out of men's hands and it's going to increase our wealth. 
as though the nation of Israel had been impoverished when they obeyed God. No, 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 okay, but Brother Justin got it. it. No, God gave them the Canaan land. God gave them the land flowing with milk and honey. God enriched them and blessed them and prospered them. They knew what it was to have an abundance, but they get tired of God's abundance. They say, hey, maybe we can get a little more. You see that idol over there that doesn't move, that doesn't blink, that doesn't breathe, that has never in its in, in the, since the moment that a human being formed it, and by the way, if a human being has to form an image, that image probably is not greater than the human being that formed it. You say, well, why don't we have images of God? Because he's above human comprehension, and we don't need an image. We need to believe in God by faith based on what is revealed in him in his word and in creation and so they see this idol, like, let's go pray to him. And then you have the, God, the goddess Ashtaroth, which was a god of sensual pleasure. And the worship of this false goddess was filled with debauchery and vile behavior that was encouraged and that was sanctioned under the authority of religious leaders. And then you have the other gods that were referenced. And here's what you need to know. All of them encouraged vile and selfish behavior that was not good for anybody's family. And many of them encouraged the literal sacrificing of one's children. Okay, I'm not trying to make this service weird. But what happened tonight was not a sacrifice. It was a dedication of parents saying, we want to raise our children a certain way. When we say sacrifice, and this isn't just confirmed in scripture, this is confirmed in secular accounts of ancient history that they would literally take their living children and burn them alive to false gods that had neither eyesight nor breath nor the ability to help. And Israel began to participate in that. Side note, there is only one human sacrifice that God ever approved of. And it was the sacrifice of himself on the cross. God has never required, he has only condemned the sacrifice of living human life. He's never condoned that. He has only condemned that. And so this is how far the nation of Israel has gone. They're not just content to worship one other God. Please get this. This is an important point. They desire to worship as many false gods as they can. And their behavior in worshiping those false gods has no restraint. They will involve themselves in moral, sensual depravity. They will involve themselves in violence against the weakest and most vulnerable among them. There is no restraint in who they'll worship. There is no restraint in how they'll worship as long as it's not God. So then this is what happens. They were afflicted in ways that they never could have imagined. So you notice in verse number 8, excuse me, 7, that the Lord was hot against Israel. Okay, I understand that America is at the top of the list of contriving an idea of God and then imposing that on God. But it's not our right, nor is it our privilege, to define God. 
It's our job and responsibility and privilege to understand how God has defined himself. And he has defined himself in creation. And creation is a revelation of God. The, the, fact that, mm, the fact that these babies are so fearfully and wonderfully made. And if you, would put, if you would put social media down and just study the formation that happens of a young child within the womb of a mother. And how that process happens, how it begins, you would see this cannot just there is no way. It takes more faith to believe that this just evolved out of some soup somewhere billions of years ago. This process is too intricate and too detailed and too amazing. Even, even with birth defects, even with the tragedies of lost life and miscarriages, it is an amazing process whereby God brings life into the world. It's amazing. It's a revelation of God. Then we have his word. What are you saying? I'm saying you look at the life that's observable. You look at the truth of the Bible, and this is what God is saying. I have defined myself. It's up to you to know me. Okay, so here's one thing that we don't like, but you need to know. There are behaviors that make God angry. No, there are lifestyles, and there are choices, and there are directions of living to, since we're talking about baby dedications, there are methods of parenting and directions of parenting that make God angry. The Bible says that God was hot against his own people. Well, why would he be mad at them? Because of the decisions that they were making and the way that they were choosing to ignore who he is and what he had defined for them and how they were then living their life. By the way, people that want to say, man, God is so restrictive. No, 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 don't talk to me about how restrictive God is when serving God results in your children living and being blessed, but disobeying God results in them being thrown into a fire to a false God. No, that's restrictive. And so they're attacked. As was his method in the book of Judges, when his people rebelled, he would allow an, an enemy army access and victory over them, and they would be oppressed. And so they're attacked by the Philistines and the Amorites, and one year turned into 18 years. They were vexed and oppressed. And then on the eastern side of Jordan, if you look at a Bible map of the Old Testament and the nation of Israel, on the eastern side, you have the border, you have the Jordan River, and you have the Amorites. Well, they afflicted some of the, the, the two and a half tribes that were on that side. But then this is interesting. It said in verse number nine, moreover, the children of Ammon passed over Jordan to fight also against Judah and against Benjamin. I want you to get this. The consequences of their decision, they, they controlled what they allowed in. And so they allowed all of these godless influences in. What they didn't control was the effect of those godless influences in their life. And now these enemies that they have sought to be like have been allowed access and begin to invade them because they have denied the God who saved them and who blessed them. And they are, they are committing vile deeds and violent deeds. And so these enemies then come in and that's where they were no longer in control. And they, they oppressed them longer than they would have imagined and they penetrated deeper into their life and into their country much further than they ever would have imagined. Now look, I don't think, I could be wrong. I don't think that anybody here is going home to an idol and burning sacrifices to it. 
This is a miniature terracotta soldier that a friend of mine gave me when he was in China. This is a hand carving, I believe from Uganda, that my brother gave to me back home when he was traveling there. I don't think anybody has some man-made statues. I could be wrong. I don't think our problem today in America and Christianity, for the most part, is we're going we're gonna to have an idol like this. We're going to carve it. We're going to make it. You understand that this is valuable to me, but this has no value to help me. Okay, I'm not, I'm not trying to be weird. I, its value to me is in who gave it to me. My brother. It, okay, <laughs> don't disrespect the lion. I'm going to walk into my office one day and there's going to be a 10-foot terracotta soldier. Okay, I'm like, what are you talking about? Right, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not talking about that. You know who we make an idol out of most often? Myself. Oh, please get this. I should be able to look at whatever I want to look at, and not my wife, and not any pastor is going to tell me what I can and cannot do. You know what you've done? You've made an appetite out of your sexual, you've made a God, excuse me, out of your sexual appetite. No, young, young people, look, every one of you, every one of you is going to have to learn how to navigate a, a vile culture that seeks to erode what God wants to do in your life through sensual temptation. And I thank God for the innocence that our families are raising their children in, but you can't hide that from them forever. And and God created you, both ladies and young men, to desire romantic relationship, but his parameters for that are very specific. And there is temptation that is gonna come. And this is the lie of Satan. This is the lie of the world, that expression outside of the parameters of God. That's freedom, that's liberty. No, it's not. It's making an idol out of yourself and your desire. that, That pastor can talk about forgiving people all that he wants to. He doesn't know what I had to go through. By the way, you, if you've been here more than a service, you know this to be true. I never claim to understand everything that everybody goes through. I don't claim to understand all of your heartache. I don't claim to understand how hard certain situations and difficulties are. But I do believe that God is able to help no matter how hard the circumstance is and that his truth is applicable no matter how difficult the situations are and that if you want to live free from the shadow of what has been done to you. There is a process of confrontation. There is a process of healing. There is a process of learning that God is a God of hope and he has new chapters for your life no matter how dark the current one is or the previous ones have been. But in order to step into the hope and the light of those new chapters, you're gonna have to forgive in certain areas. And you hold on to resentment. You say, man, I'll, I will not forgive that. You know what you're doing? You're making an idol out of yourself. You say, my, my parents, 
They are outdated and lame. And they are. I mean, look at me. Like I, I just wish my dad was rad. The fact that I just used the word rad shows you how outdated I am. Man, pastor, you look really sus right now. Some of y'all don't even know what that means. And some of you right now, and you better not stop, I'll call you out right now. You're wanting to make jokes about my weak attempts to use your vernacular at the moment. And that's and that fine. But God, did, God didn't give you parents so that they could try to be cool. By the way, parents, your primary objective is not for your kids to think you're the coolest people in the world. It's your responsibility to make sure they know how amazing God is in the way that you live before them, in the way that you lead them, in the example you set should point them to Jesus Christ. Look at me, look at me. When you say, man, my parents just don't understand, number one, you're probably really, really wrong about that. But even if they don't, well, my parents have made bad mistakes. I get that, and sometimes they can be very extreme and very challenging consequences. But I'm not talking about the most extreme cases. I'm talking about the typical young person who has flawed parents who they don't always view to be the coolest individual in the world, when you choose to rebel against their authority and to hide from them, and, and whether it's parents or not, it's an authority that God has put in your life, you are doing it because you have made an idol out of yourself. You're like, I will worship at the altar every time you rebel against your parents. Look at me, ladies. This is what you're saying. I'll rebel and worship at the altar of me. But that's good for parents, too. We got a whole lot of Christians. I don't know anybody's heart. But America is filled with Christians, and maybe the attitude is here, where we sit in this church on Sundays, but we worship at the altar of me the rest of the week. I'll do what I want with the attitude I want. And it's fine to talk about Jesus, and I know the terms, and I know how to put on the front, and I know how to look as though I'm still following him. But during the week, you have turned. You have turned to the God of yourself, and you could care less what the truth of God says. You could care less what his direction and purpose for your life are. Your only desire is to satisfy your appetites and your ambitions, and you worship at that altar, the, uh, the altar of what I want, and you choose to live without restraint when it comes to pleasing yourself, when it comes to following your own ambition, when it comes to your attitude, when it comes to your discipline, when it comes to the habits, when it comes to the search history on your phone or on your devices, and that's not a, just a good challenge for teenagers. That is good for men in their 40s and women in their 40s and 30s and 50s and 20s. Man, we gotta be aware of what's going on around us. And yet we worship the idol of me. Here's the point. You do control what you let in. But you don't control what it does to you after you let it in. It's been, I think, more than 20 years ago. Somebody had the idea that we should reintroduce wolves to Idaho. 
because they're such furry, cool, cuddly animals. Look, I like, I like documentaries about wolves. You ask me, do you like wolves? As much as I've seen of them on TV. Ask me about my wolf interactions. <laughs> You're like, Pastor. Now ask me about them. I, I, I got really close to one in a cage one time. That's it. Look, I'm not a wolf man. Some of you are like, well, if you were, you wouldn't be called a wolf. You'd be called a chihuahua. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and that's all right. I still bark. <laughs> Bite your ankles. <laughs> you know, you got, you got people. You got people that, that have lots of title and authority but they're lacking in necessary common sense. Say, are you saying that? No, I'm really saying that. And that should not be a controversial statement. Just observe a little bit of what's going on. You don't have to be an expert to know certain things. I don't want to preach that right now. Come on. You don't have to be an expert to know a whole lot of stuff. God gave you a brain. You are actually allowed to use it whether the government approves of it or not. So somebody's like, hey, let's bring wolves back into Idaho because that's really cool. I mean, they got them in Alaska and Canada, so maybe Kansas. Not really. I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm, my mind. Did y'all know somebody found a shark in Idaho not too long ago? <laughs> it was a joke. Anyway, yeah. I'm thinking about finding, when I lived in Louisiana as a kid, finding alligators tied up, in, and alligator tied up in front of my house out in the boonies. It's a great story. You're like, who does that? The same kind of rednecks that do stuff up here with wolves. I mean, it just, it's what happens. Like, yeah. Okay, anyway, sorry. I'm going to get myself in all kinds of trouble. So look, this is what they said. There's actually articles on this. We were surprised at how many bad things happened. No, ex experts <laughs> literally said, we, we didn't understand the degree to which this would, this would affect things. And I'm like, I, I don't know if you just thought they were going to show up in your neighborhood like Fox and the Hound. And like, hey, let's, let's be buddies. And your, your Yorkie was going to make friends with the wolf. It's going to be Yorkie and the wolf, and somebody's going to make a Disney movie about it, and you were going to get really rich, and you're like, oh, this is super cuddly. I saw a wolf on Discovery Channel one time. This has got to end well. Actually, wolves are predatory. I'm not an expert. But I know. Here's what that means. They hunt other living things to eat them. You know, you, you go out, you drive along, you see cattle. Man, I love cattle. How many of you think baby pigs are cute? You like lambs? Y'all got lambs and goats in here? Wolves love your lambs. You see, the, you see those baby calves? out? Baby calves, that's, okay, anyway, sorry. As opposed to the adult calves, anyway, sorry. 
You see these calves out there, and you're like, man, man, that calf is so adorable. That wolf is intrigued as well. Like, man, that, that's one good-looking calf right there. How do you like your steak, sir? Very rare. I'm going somewhere just there. So then they hunt. Well, the population since then, the, the, the reproduction of cattle has decreased about 80%. And, and it's, not, it's not just, and we could talk about elk herds and other, other animals, but, but with cattle specifically, one of the things that they didn't anticipate is that the wolves, they're not, they're not killing cattle necessarily by the hundreds of thousands, but they're putting constant pressure on them when they're on the range. And so there's a couple of things that are resulting from that. Number one, they're coming in at a lower weight. And when cattle come in at a lower weight, that means less food, less money. Not only that, the conception rates are down because animals under stress, those processes are going to be inhibited. Number three, the cattle will not respond to cattle dogs anymore. And so these ranchers are paying upwards of $5,000 to get a trained cattle dog to then work their cattle. But the cattle no longer have the right view of the cattle dog because anything that resembles a dog for the last eight months has been trying to kill them. And so now they try to kill the cattle dog. And so it has caused a domino effect that nobody anticipated. Okay, wait. I should run for office. Wait, wait, this is amazing. Nobody anticipated this that was in power necessarily, but they should have. You say, why? Because it's a wolf. What are we trying to accomplish by letting that back here? So now you know what they're trying to do? Decrease the wolf population by 90%. You know what I think? That every official who voted for that should go out and kill all the wolves. <laughs> I'm not, look, I'm not trying to get, make people mad tonight. And if you voted for that, I'm sorry. I'm just like, and now we're going to, man, this is bad. Well, why'd you do it? Okay, anyway, moving on. What's the point? What's the point? You control whether or not you let the wolf in. But once you do, you don't control what the wolf does. Sin is just like that wolf. Let me just give you a few thoughts. Number one, in order to say yes to God, you must say no to certain things. Look, God blesses his children. But in order for you to have the blessing of God, you must live your life in a way that's pleasing to him. And I am first and foremost talking about a faith that is inside out, not outside in. I am so weary of and tired of a faith that is defined first and foremost by external identifying marks and not the character of who Jesus is. Don't talk to me about external rules. Talk to me about the love and the grace of our Savior and the peace that he gives and the hope that he gives and the holiness of heart that he produces in our lives. Don't come to me with checklists that religious men have established to keep people under control. Let me see Jesus in the way that you live your life. And in order to, in order to follow him, you have to say no to certain things. You have to say no to certain people. Oh, you can't follow God and say yes to what everybody else wants all the time. Meaning, there are bad influences in your life. Young people, you're supposed to love everybody, but you got to be careful about who you let influence you. 
And if the influences in your life are consistently pushing against the influences that God has placed in your life, you need to be aware of that. Number two, you can always go further than you think. Look, look, it's no big deal. We're just going to bow down to this idol on Saturday, or excuse me, on Friday, because we're in Israel in the Old Testament. We're going to bow down to this idol on Friday, and then on Saturday, we're going to come over here and worship, this, worship God. So we still believe in God. We're just going to do this. Look, look, I just, I just want God's blessing on my crop. Brother Max, it's not like I'm going to offer my children in an actual sacrifice. You know, you know what's amazing about sin? It always goes further than you think that it will in your life. I can't tell you how many people have committed crimes for which they are paying a very long price, and their families are paying a very long price, and it started with pornography. Look, I understand this isn't a pleasant subject. Like, are you, do you really talk about this? Yeah, because it still plagues people today, and it's still a danger today. And it's a danger in churches like this, where men will not submit themselves, even women will not submit themselves to the expectation of godliness. And when you commit a violation of the parameters of, that God has created for morality, don't you dare blame anyone else for it. No, there are factors that can contribute to it. But man, there are cultures that say, well, these women, if they did this, or these men, look, there are behaviors that cause damage and scars, but if you're going to have victory, you have to take responsibility for the decisions that you're making. And you open the door to a wolf through that means, and it's going to take you a whole lot further than you ever thought that it would. Hey. Maybe it's not something that people will say, man, that's vile. Maybe it's just an attitude of resentment in your heart towards somebody. An attitude of resistance. Like, nah, I just, I will not forgive that person. I will not do this. I will not have a good attitude. And you just, you hold on to that. You're opening up the door to some wolves that can do some serious damage. Number three, the consequences will be way worse than you think. It will. So many people deceive themselves with the idea that we can contain this. You know what's comical about the whole wolf thing in Idaho? They thought they could contain wolves repopulating and eating a bunch of other animals. How are you going to control that? Can I, Andy and Gina, can I just talk to you for a second? And then Chris and Kelly, Andrew and Stevie, everybody else. I'll just use you, talk to everybody else. You can't control the consequences of what you let into your life. And you also can't control the consequences of what you let into Will's life through your life. You only control what you let in. But once it's in, you don't control that influence anymore. You say, no, I'm, I'm not just talking about, I'm talking about all of us. As a church, look, I understand people come into this church and they can kind of get nervous or squeamish and, they're, and they, they see things from a, a, an outside perspective and they're like, man, that's weird. P- please understand this. There, there's nothing weird about this. I understand people have questions and in a, in a day that is very different 
from what things look like in here. This is not a place of judgmental people. This is not a place of anybody looking down on anyone else. He's like, what do I have to do to come here? Just come. Just come, man. We love Jesus, or we try to, and because we love him, we love people. People are what God values the most. We don't care what you look like. We don't care what you're wearing. We don't care where you come from. Just come and experience who he is. But you got to get this, church family. There are reasons we do and don't do certain things because we're trying to keep some wolves out. We're trying to protect ourselves. But, by the way, people that want to get involved... I, I warn people about this. We do background checks on everybody. You say, well, why? That's, that's kind of offensive. No, it's not, because we're trying to protect people. We have windows on those Sunday school doors. Why? Because we're trying to protect people. We have policies. Why? Because we're trying to protect people. We do training. Why? Because we're trying to protect people. We have a safety team that looks out for us. Why? Because we're trying to protect people. No, that's of God. You can't control the consequences of what you let in. You only control what you let in. So moms and dads, what are you letting into your children's lives that will relentlessly afflict them? What are you letting into your own life by attitude or habit or a refusal to submit or to serve? A refusal to get into the word of God, a refusal to let go of certain ambitions so that you can follow Jesus Christ, a refusal to accept the grace and help of God in different areas. What are you, what are, what are you letting in by refusing to put away the idol of self and say, God, I need to follow you? When, I'm, when I make the statement, you control what you let in, but not what it does to you. I believe this, that if there's something going on in your life, God brings it to mind. I believe it, Brother Justin. God convicts me about stuff, even while I'm preaching. I'm just asking you to be honest. I know it's been a longer service, and you've been great. But what in your life are you experiencing consequences? Because you let something in that you thought you could control. There is hope. We'll deal with this the next time we're in the book of Judges. There is hope. No, there is hope. But here's where it begins. God, you're right, and I'm going to stop this tonight. God, you're right, and I will stop this tonight. I'll talk to somebody. I'll pray with somebody. I'll talk to my spouse. I'll talk to my parents. I'll talk to my child. I'll talk to that man. If I'm a man, I'll talk to that lady. If I'm a lady, I will do what I need to do, but I got to stop tonight. God, I've let it in. God, I need your help. There is help. There was deliverance after this, but it starts with you saying, I'm done. I'm done. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You control what you let in, not what it does to you. First, first question. Is there anyone here tonight? Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. This is what we call an invitation. We just ask people to respond to God. Nobody's going to come to you. Nothing weird is going to happen. Just want you to be honest with God. 
every head bowed, every eye closed. I wonder if there would be anyone that would say, there are some areas where I have let attitude, I have let habits, I have, I have let relationship, I have let any number of things. I've, but God brought something to my mind. I've let something into my life. And it is, it, it either has, or I believe that it will, create consequences that are reaching further than I ever thought that they would. And, and I know that God is dealing with me, and I need God's help. I, I do need God's help. Nobody's going to come to you. Nobody's going to embarrass you. Nobody's going to call you out. I'm just asking you to raise your hand real quick and put it down and say, I've got areas, young person, less young person. You say, I've got areas where I've let some things in, and I need, I need God's help, and I, and I want his help. Would you just raise your hand before the Lord and say, that's me. Yeah, all over the place. Yeah, I see him. I see him. Here's the second question. I'm going to ask this with parents in mind. This is for the parents. Are there areas where you're letting some things into your life? And, and you, if you're honest, you know that they could be detrimental to your children. I've got, got some attitude, got some relationship, got some habit, got some things. I know that these things could be detrimental to my kids. And I need God's help to get some areas right. And, and for the sake of my children, would you raise your hands before the Lord and say, yeah, that's me. Yep, I, yep. Oh, I, thank you for being honest. Well, let's respond to the Lord. Let's take a minute to talk to him. Let's all stand together. Brother Nate's going to sing. If you want to come and talk to the Lord, you have opportunity to do that. If you want someone to pray with you, get my attention. But let's, let's spend a moment seeking God while Brother Nate sings.